The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. Virginia Amateur Wrestling Association presents the Virginia Wrestling Roundup Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Bryant, and each month we'll talk about things related to Virginia wrestling and programs and initiatives from the Virginia Amateur Wrestling Association. This show is proudly sponsored by Cliff Keen Athletic, built for life. And welcome to Episode 3 of the Virginia Wrestling Roundup, the monthly podcast produced by Virginia Wrestling Association. I'm your host, Jason Bryant, proud native Virginian who is stuck, sadly, in the frozen tundra of Minnesota. Joining us on our call today, Bill Swink, head coach at Colonial Forge High School and state chairman. Brian Hazard, head coach at Robinson Secondary. Making go. sure I get that right. And uh, kind of a, a director of sorts, whatever he does with US, Virginia USA Wrestling, we don't really know. Um, he's just there because he's been there for a while. Andrew Fair, our executive director for VAWA. And joining us for the first time, head coach at New Kent High School, Old Bay Rivers territory. So I've known this guy a while. Mike Foss, and we're, we've got a lot of things to talk about. And first thing, uh, we're, everybody knows what we're going to talk about just by the sheer volume of the message boards on virginiawrestling.com. It made, it made me long for the Matt Talk days because it would have been a lot worse back then. But the first thing we're talking about, we've got a big event coming up, the Arthur Ashe Center, the Vawa Kids Folk Style State Championships on March 7th. The club duels, elementary school and middle school also taking place. You've got the Women's War of the Roses on March 8th. And, uh, Andrew, I'm just going to pitch it to you. We've got a big weekend of wrestling coming up March 7th and 8th in Richmond. Big weekend. Big weekend. We're excited. I can, I can sense your excitement. Tell us why you're excited. Well, we have the location nailed down. We're going to have it at the Ash Center. Uh, but we've been, we've been uh, working hard to try and make this a fun event for the kids uh, Blue Chip Wrestling is going to be coming in, setting up shop, and bringing, bringing all their merchandise to sell, licensed NCAA wrestling apparel, um, all the way down to gear such as headgear, shoes, socks. Um, and we also have custom finalist singlets that Blue Chip has designed with a cool uh, American flag sublimated background. And, and this is also a qualifier. This is a qualifier for the Mason-Dixon Challenge. Uh, which is two weeks after uh, after that date, which includes uh, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. So um, our top four qualifiers in Virginia get to go on and uh, you know uh, see where they uh, see where they stack up with the big boys from those other states. Uh, so we're excited about the individual tournament. Then we have the duels the next day, and and that's just uh, this is the first of a few events that we have. Uh, this this spring where uh, we're going to have an individual tournament and then some club duels tied in. We want to be able to, to bring the entire wrestling community together and not have too many dates spread out uh, on the calendar. So uh, looking forward to it, and we're just uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's and getting ready for, uh, for March 7th and 8th. Well, it's interesting you bring up the duels because I remember back in the day, back in the day, I'm borrowing that from a buddy of mine, Dave Jackson, is the there was the old freestyle club duels that Roy used to host up at Hayfield. They would have the, what did they used to call them, Hazard? It was like the Nova 1 or Nova 2. It was like the the tournament, the freestyle tournaments in Northern Virginia all went just Nova 1, Nova 2, Nova 3. Right. We, weren't, we, we really weren't probably um, uh, creative enough to think of any other names, so we were just Nova 1, Nova 2, number 3, number four. Nova four or whatever it would have however many we could get in. Well, Steve Crocker had the lockdown on the short pump classic. So uh, we, we knew we were good there. <laughs> he did. He did. And, and speaking of that, Jason, uh, they can mark the calendars. May 16th at the Arthur Ashe center will be the Vawa freestyle club duel. So um, we will be still having that event. So and that, that event will be running uh, at the same time as the uh, kids, schoolboys, uh, freestyling Greco. So we know clubs will be traveling and, and have uh, guys and girls of all ages. So we're going to have the uh, you know high school or, or cadet junior combined club duels uh, for freestyle while the kids are uh, uh, scrapping it out uh, in freestyling Greco. So. Uh, we're excited about that change, and uh, you know, want to again just provide a, a a cool weekend where everybody can be at the same place. 
And one thing, uh, those out home and listening, go to virginiawrestling.com on the right side of the page. You will see a nice little calendar-looking thing that says Upcoming Events. You will click View All. You can see everything that's coming up and siphon around by month, sift out through month. I don't know. I'm using the wrong words. I was a journalism minor, not a major. So you can find out all the events. I mean, we got some big events coming up. We'll talk about another one here, but we want to lead into it by there was some pretty big news coming out of the state of Virginia regarding women's wrestling this year. Two females placed at their respective tournaments in the VISAA, the private schools, Lauren Prada of Trinity Episcopal, took eighth at 106 pounds. And then for the first time in the state's history, uh, at least on the VHSL side, I'm not sure if there's been any any, any high placers in, uh, in the private schools. I guess we'll have to go back to the old... Uh, Dick Glover. We'll have to get Dick on the show to see if he can he can tell us, you know, one of those things from his years at Woodbury. But uh, Maria Ramos and one a one hundred and thirteen pounds from Chilhowie, first ever state finalist female for the state of Virginia. And just want to clarify, there was some talk going out that she was the first one to win a match. Well, we we want to correct that. Fire and Gasman, Fire and Gasman, two thousand six, two thousand six at Robinson. I remember announcing it, and uh, I, I remember the parent from Mills Godwin being a little annoyed at um, how I called that announcement. So uh, we won't bring that little bit of ear ear rubbing I got that year. But Firen was the first one to win a match. But Maria Ramos from Chilhowie, first girl to place, or is the highest place of the first finalist. So uh, that sets uh, sets it up nice for the War of the Roses, March 8th. I mean, we can, we will get Sarah Fulp Allen to talk about this event next month. But uh, big women's tournament coming to Virginia, Andrew. And, uh, you know, what, what are the thoughts behind the Women's War of the Roses? Also that same weekend, 7th and 8th at the Ash Center. Well, again, uh, just just combining events and getting everybody into the same roof. But um, the, you know, this event were, you know, is something that we're obviously excited about, and it, it wouldn't be um, it wouldn't be as big as it's going to be without Sarah's hard work. And you know, she's just done an awesome job helping our women's wrestling program uh, become nationally recognized, and, and the success they had last year in Fargo. It's just an exciting time for. For uh, for young girls uh, that like to get after on the mats in Virginia, uh, you know, watching Lauren Prada um, win, but uh, you know, have success in the visit tournament and and the the uh, response that she got from coaches and and other athletes was was awesome to see. And and I I wish I could have been in two places to see the the uh, the finalists in Salem as well. But. But no, we're excited about the War of the Roses and uh, really have to tip our hat to uh, Sarah and all the work she and Chris Michael have done organizing the uh, the women's wrestling movement in Virginia. So looking forward to having them there as well. And i got to correct something. I, I call her Sarah Fulp Allen because that's how I've always known her, Sarah Bahora. That's, she's got a married name. So sorry, Sarah. So that's just, just my thoughts there. But I uh, just wanted to clear that up. So. Let's let's all clear our throats here now. <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> so um, I, I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention, guys. How did the uh, public school state tournament go? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so for those who have been sleeping under a rock um, in the state of Virginia, and no no disrespect to people who actually do sleep under rocks, the state tournament in the VHSL. Had a bit of a, I guess, shortening, you could say, a, an abbreviated event that ultimately cost hundreds of high school athletes the opportunity to complete their season in the traditional format. Meaning, the all six public school tournaments, which were already eight-man brackets, which I found completely ridiculous to start with. That's another, The six-class debate is another time, but it ties into it. So then, you can run an eight-man tournament in one day with no problems. Then we go, all right, those first-round losers, sorry, you're done. Now, I remember when I first heard about this that morning on Facebook, I'm like, are you kidding me? So the first thing I want to do, and this is all weather-related, the first thing I want to do is go to Andrew because he was he coaches at St. Christopher's in the private school sector of the world, and there was weather with you know the public schools. There's obviously weather with the private schools. Andrew, how did the private school association handle the travel, and how did it impact your tournament there? Sure, well – Got to say that the uh, the national prep community, um, that organization has state representatives that then communicate with each state, and then each state follows the same model. So we have four regional reps in the visa, and John Gordon is the head of that association, and that board communicated throughout the week from the beginning 
with seating on Monday and Tuesday into weather discussions. And by the end of the week, uh, they had thrown out various options uh, we, with a backup plan and facility firmly in place, uh, plans to move mats and locations and alter start times based on how the weather played out. But, but it really just boils down to communication and uh, staying in touch with each other. And, and uh, I, I spoke to Coach Gordon today, and, and he walked me through how the week played out in terms of various rounds of emails and conference calls and um, everybody just putting their heads together to, to come up with the best plan. And, um, and uh, we, we pushed, we pushed the start a little bit on, uh, on day two and, uh, you know, cut out some breaks that were in the schedule to get everybody out of there Saturday afternoon. Uh, and, but it, you know, it really boils back down to uh, communication and making sure the coaches, uh, the parents and athletes are, uh, you know, are, are all informed, and, and those were 32-man brackets, so uh, a little different than the eight-man bracket. Now we'll go to Brian, and that to me that seems like it makes sense. Now, Hazard, you had the 5A, 6A at your place up at Robinson. What was the scenario for those that uh, that don't know what, you know, the tournament director world and the, the, the host coach has to deal with? I mean, you're managing the site right there. What was this all uh, going on in, in Robinson world? Uh, there were there were so many different facets that went on for that day. Um, throughout the week, we had originally we had a start time of noon, and we were going to weigh in at ten. And our principal had given the school a three hour early release so that the parking would be okay. Uh, when we were out of school, the I guess Tuesday and Wednesday on on Thursday, our principal came back and goes. We are not going to do the three-hour release, but here's a schedule we can do. We're going to start at three, run through the semis, and uh, and then the next day we'll do third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and first and second. Um, Friday, uh, we put the mat. We had the mats all down. Or excuse me, thir- that happened Wednesday. Thursday, we put that the mats were all down. Kids were working out, and. Our administrator, Jeff Farrell, who, you know, was the tournament director, uh, said he had gotten a call from the Virginia High School League and they weren't sure what they were going to do. So there was no contingent plan, unfortunately. But another unfortunate thing is earlier, a lot of the administrators who were with the Virginia High School League decided they weren't going to have a coaches meeting on Thursday night that we've had forever. Um, When they did uh, finally make a decision, I believe it was like 9 o'clock, 8.30 and the coaches found out about 10:30 that we were going to do the single elimination. Uh, our administrator, our, our athletic director, director of student activities, Jeff Farrell, said, "Listen, we don't want to do that. We can put down two extra mats. It's going to be crowded, but let's get these rounds done. We can pull the time back. There's a lot of things that we can do." And the Virginia High School League came back and said, "No, it's got to be equitable. This is what they're doing: 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A. So you have to do it five and six. You're going to start at three and run a single elimination quarterfinal and then, you know, go until about 10.30, which ended up being almost 1 a.m. Uh, I can tell you it was a lot of stress on everybody, coaches walking in not knowing and seeing the, the posted schedule on the wall. And it affected a lot of kids as well uh, because they were tight. They they knew that it was one and done. Um, you know, it, it, it affected a lot of kids. Now, Mike, we're going to shift down to you because you were down in Salem with your team, New Kent. You finished fifth in 3A, and you're in a situation where uh, out in the, the western, southwestern part of the states where a lot of well, what would the old double-A, you know, basically going down the 81 corridor, uh, that's yeah. how I'm always going to reference it is the double-A and single-A state tournament, and, you know, because the sixth-class system, again, is ridiculous. But, the, <laughs> but, you know, you had to travel a good, from New Kent, probably four hours, you know, 345, four hours to get to Salem. And when were you notified of all this stuff, and, and what, was it, what was it impacting your team and whatnot? Well, the, um, uh, I remember that it's about the same time frame where they – as as a triple A or or five A six A, where they told us that uh, the semifinals going to be that night. Um, that, I thought that came across on Thursday, so that was going to be about the same. And so we were in the I was in the van and I got a call from Dan Leal, who is an old coach at Eperon. He's now a rep and he's assistant at Louisa. And he said and he and he called me and we're about at Lexington, getting ready going down to that coaches meeting. 
which was they moved that up a little bit to 11.30 from 12.30. And he said, you know what they're going to do? And I said, no, because they're going to do single elimination. And I just couldn't believe that they would do something like that. And they were going to run it all in one one day. Um, we get into the coaches' meeting. Um, everybody's grumbling about it. Everybody heard about it by then. They announced it. And then uh, Dr. Tom Dolan um, said that this is uh, the reason they did this is because that superintendents were going to make their um, teams come home anyway, and they uh, they thought they tried to do different things, and this was the best they could come up with, and that winning a state champion. I remember this quote: "Winning a state champion doesn't mean anything if you if you go if you die going home in a ditch on the way home," which was I thought was kind of a bit of an overreaction to the whole thing's going on, but he. That was the time frame, and that's when we found out. And, and it, it affected our team. We had seven kids there, um, and uh, four of them got knocked out. We, we ran into the kid that got second in the state the first round. We got knocked out. We got knocked, we got we ran into the kid who ended up getting third in the state and got knocked out twice, actually two times in the third in the state. So we we ran into we got we got some rough draws, and so we got knocked out and affected our team adversely. So what was the general thought between all, you know, obviously with a lot more teams down there in Salem, but what was the general consensus that you were feeling? I mean, I've got a hunch. It was kind of how a lot of us feel right now looking at it. I mean, parents, coaches, I mean, you even said an official. I mean, I I got, I mean, Salem has always been a kind of a thorn in people's side anyway with, with the way it's, it's set up. But uh, you know, what was the general thoughts from what you were hearing down there? Um, just how this could have been just, handled much better it's like it wasn't a trick i was talking to larry hall about the snow the the sunday before the tournament and i said what are you going to do about the snow and he said well the best case scenario is we have sunday if we need to delay today we can do sunday in the in the civic center you know so it's not like they didn't know that the snow was coming uh they could have moved it up like the parents coaches everybody involved thought that it could have been handled in a, in a more proactive manner where like you're thinking ahead of time, you know, the snow is coming and you should have a better plan that doesn't change the whole, um, you know, the, the whole uh, way this tournament is run. A better plan should have been come up with earlier, but they didn't, they didn't do that for some reason. And one of it is God forbid they don't have it at the civic center. But that's a, that's another whole other issue. All right, Bill, you you were pretty outspoken in some of your comments with uh, your local paper there in, in Fredtown and the Stafford area. I mean, now you know you're not running a tournament and you're not traveling a whole. You know, it's not a, a long trip to Robinson for you. Uh, you know, certainly not as long as it is from New Kent to Salem. But uh, sure, you were not pleased. I guess that's putting it mildly. Yeah, not pleased for a lot of the same reasons that uh, Mike has stated. Um, I just felt total lack of communication, total disregard to the wrestling community. Um, when it, we were asking questions, everything was a muddy water answer, uh, trying to pass the buck, uh, talking about equity. Uh, then our newspaper reporter and a freelance star, Justin Rice, talked to Ken Tilly, and he said uh, decisions were made independent of each other. So on one hand, they're telling everybody they want to keep all six classes the same, and then the executive director of the Virginia High School League says they were made independent. So, you know, what, what do you believe? Uh, equity, um, you know, talked about the venues. Well, we can't marry the venue. Uh, swimming, gymnastics, both were to be held last week. They held portions of it and moved the rest of the meets to this week where they could complete them. We, they didn't give us that option. Um, very reactive versus proactive. A contingency plan, a weather plan, should be um, made ahead of time. We shouldn't wait until Thursday night, the day before, when, like Mike already stated, everyone knew the weather was coming for the entire week. Yes, uh, no, no plan was made. Um, so, you know, that's that's it. I, I, I just hope uh, the wrestling community seems to be rallying. It's a rallying point, and. Um, we can't fix what has happened, but hopefully we can fix it in the future. Um, talk about six classifications. Uh, maybe that's something that 
can come out of this as well. Um, you know, just some of these the six classifications I, I could go on for a month about. Uh, but, you know, some of the geographic spreads in the new regions are just – and one of the things was we wanted to reduce travel. Well, uh, 6A South, you go from Prince William County to Roanoke to Franklin County to Chesapeake to Richmond to Virginia Beach. Uh, 3A East, Mike's um, region. Oh. So you got Southampton to Petersburg to Culpeper to Fredericksburg to Loudoun County to Warren County. Uh, 1A East, it goes from the eastern shore – all the way over to Perry McClure on the uh, western side of the state. Um, so there's a lot of examples of that, you know, and, and if they are looking for solutions, uh, a bunch of us coaches uh, are willing to help with solutions, and hopefully we can do that and maybe enact some change with our school administration to the VHSL. Um, but it, could, it should have been handled uh, much differently. Um, you know, 336 kids got to wrestle one match. Uh, I know, I, I you know, you wouldn't want to be the mom or dad to see I got Dylan Westman in the first round and say they're going to single elimination or, you know, Patrick Grayson in the first round and, and you know, that yeah, that, that was bad. Too. And so, you know, my son had to wrestle the, the state runner-up who had a good match with J.D. Stone. And we yes. had it in the first round of the tournament and my son in his own home floor got to wrestle one and done uh it was a hard pill to swallow for my whole family who was there um and so you know i i saw it from from both sides um it caused a lot of stress now andrew i understand i mean there, there's been some a lot of people have been talking you've been hustling on this and you're not even uh, a coach in the vhsl but you've got kids that wrestle in public schools and in the clubs and whatnot and, and what have you discovered about uh, what this is this has caused in terms of the entire state well, I knew it was a big deal when I got an email from one hot aunt that lives in North Dakota telling me how much she knows about wrestling and, and how mad she was that her, her nephew uh, fell victim to, uh, to this decision. Uh, this, this is getting national exposure, and, and it's making waves here in Virginia. Uh, there is a VHLSL wrestling protest page that's been started on Facebook that is uh, already up to about 1,300 likes in a matter of two, two and a half days. Um, and there's an even, even a buzz in Richmond. You know, the, the General Assembly is meeting here at the state capitol, and uh, you know, I've been in communication with uh, a few folks. Uh, one lady, Thelma Drake, she's a former U.S. congresswoman from the Hampton Roads region, and her grandson uh, wrestles at Oscar Smith, and uh, – uh, she's not happy about this, and, and she's using um, her expertise and, and professional contacts to, uh, to help us uh, reach out to various state delegates. But uh, I've spoken to a few members of the General Assembly, and, and the best thing that we as a wrestling community can do is to, one, voice your concern to your principal and your athletic director about the VHSL's decision. Uh, contact your administrators because they have a meeting coming March 11th, the VHSL membership meeting where school administrators can speak in breakout groups. So, so reach out to your principals, reach out to your athletic directors and voice your concern. And the second thing that every parent can do is find who your state delegate is. There's a website that's called who's my W H O S M Y dot Virginia general assembly dot gov. And on that site, you can type in your address, and it'll tell you who your representatives are, both at the state and national levels. Contact your state delegate's office. Google them. Do whatever you need to do. Uh, ask for their legislative aid or, or just shoot them an email and, and voice your concern because uh, um, our state representatives will, will take action if, if they hear enough people voicing their concern. So uh, it's starting to make waves in Richmond and and there was some legislation in front of the General Assembly uh, to restructure the VHSL. Um, it, it didn't pass, but but the discussion has been started. So, um, you know, we as the wrestling community want to want to be part of the solution and and not part of the problem. So, uh, we VAWA are are also encouraging people to to offer anecdotal facts. Tell them how far you've had to travel for your regional tournaments. You know, tell them about 
the, the senior who had to face the Dylan Wisman or the Patrick Grayson in the first round. You know, tell them about how it's affected, you know, maybe families that don't have the resources to travel to the region that's 200 miles away, um, you know, because those are, those are facts. Those aren't emotional rants. So um, voice your concern, but, but be careful how you do it because we want to make sure that, that everybody hears this and, and doesn't just say that it's a bunch of mad wrestlers that are kicking and screaming. So, um, uh, yeah. And Andrew, uh, again, not only their uh, state reps, they need to contact their principals and athletic directors as well. That's right. That's right. Hit them both. Hit those principals and athletic directors. Again, there's a meeting coming March 11th. That's the VHSL membership meeting. That's a two-day uh, two conference. And part of that uh, conference includes some breakout sessions for those school administrators and principals to voice their concerns. So um, if every high school coach – if every parent uh, of a state qualifier emails their athletic director about VHSL wrestling and um, how how they felt it was unfair, then you know maybe maybe we'll be heard in a few weeks. I don't run into many, and, and um, you coaches could t tell me the same. I don't run into too many um, athletic directors, even that are non wrestlers wrestling, that find this six A class that are fans of it. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's a very popular thing. It's either like the only people that like it are to be itself themselves. Oh, that's no doubt, Mike. Uh, you don't you don't see many people that are in favor of it. Whether it's school administrators, athletic directors, coaches, parents, newspaper writers, they don't like it. Um, the media doesn't like it. So uh, it's uh, it, that's a whole other issue, and and. Uh, you know, for for our sport, or if they're married to six uh, classifications, you know, there's some ways to handle that. We could we could go back to four regions within the six classifications. Um, you know, each every two conference that becomes a region versus just the two regions set up like they have now. That would drastically reduce travel alone by by doing that uh, for our sport. I'd be in favor to do six dual meet championships if they want. And then go back to the combined three individual tournaments or some form like that. I'd like to have one individual tournament. I know I don't think we'd ever get that through, but we could maybe go back to three. Um, so, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, and here's my thoughts. I mean, again, I'm, I'm out in Minnesota, so, I mean, I'm, I'm dealing with this stuff from afar. But uh, and, and my, my suggestion is, again, kind of echoes on what Bill had said is, you know, New Jersey does this almost the exact same way where they've got their class systems. I think it's now up to five publics. I think they have two parochials. They, I think they were adding another class. Was it a big problem, big stink this year in New Jersey? But, you know, we've only we only had a dual meet champion in AAA, and that ended in 1996 after Great Bridge beat Franklin County 66 to nothing. That was the last one. Right. And it had only been won by Great Bridge or Western Branch, I believe. And mm -hmm. I think they were talking about equi the problem was is there weren't enough. And at that time, single A only had the old single A only had about thirty nine schools. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure what it was before they they split to six. But you know, if if a state like New Jersey, I mean, granted, geographically not as is spread out. I mean, you can you know save save the tolls. You can be most places in about two and a half hours. But you know, you, you want to get. You know, championships and gate money. Well, look at it. Why? Why wouldn't six individual? Uh, well, six dual meet state championships. Uh, you know, based on schools of the size. Okay, therefore, okay, your 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 trip, you wrestle in your region, you find some geographical region to do it. Boom. Okay, you win, or you could have a final four weekend with all of them in one place. You don't need that many sure. mats. Then you know you've got your. You know, because the the structure was there. The, the old AAA they had the districts and regionals and states, and then the the tournaments started. You know, the postseason tournaments, and you know it was it, it was it worked. In I, I can't remember what it was. Bill, maybe uh, you and Hazard were around in in that era ninety you know ninety sixth in the state qualifying with with how that worked. But you know, one individual tournament, maybe a three day tournament, one venue, eight mats. Pennsylvania does it three days. Jersey does it three days. I mean, why is the VHSL stuck on the fact that there has to be six? And I was talking with Marty O'Brien from the Daily Press, and he's even noted that some of the sports that are sanctioned by the VHSL that do not have enough participation at the 1A and the 2A, they have combined championships for those. Why right. can't they make that, you know, for, for individual sports, 
you know, team sports, you want to keep the six. You know what? Fine. They've been doing six for football for as long as I can remember. They just called it Division Five and Division Six within AAA. Right. So I, I'm looking at it, seeing what California does, seeing what Indiana does. I mean, you know, there's uh, the three classes would be cool. I mean, ultimately, I'd love to see the private schools in the VHSO get along, but uh, I don't even know how that one goes. But I'm looking at it from a wrestling standpoint. I mean, how few college coaches are now going to show up at – you know, they have to, first of all, pick two different places to go. Right. And then you've got, okay. And, and this is, uh, again, I'm, and here's the thing I'm worried about most is the kids, because that's what the VHSL says they're worried about. Well, how, you, what'd you say, Bill, 336 kids, and then half of them are one and done. Thanks for one coming out. No, Thanks. that was the number that was one and done. 336. Oh, 336, one and done. Thank you yes. for your entry fee. And thank you for your admissions fee, parents. Right. Sorry. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's not quite to the level of BP going, sorry, but it's like, I I mean, I I can, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around this, but I I also want to bring this up because uh, we we touched on the names earlier, but Corbin Allen's Facebook, Larry Allen posted a picture of Corbin at Hanover, the state champion with basically his medal on backwards and the bracket off to the side. I'd heard Wisman and did the same thing. Mike, could you confirm that or not? I know, uh, I know that, uh, Allen was at ours. I can't confirm Wisman. I didn't see Wisman. Wisman did do it. I saw a picture of his where his medal was turned around as well. So we've got two kids, and you know what? It, you know, it's not you know it's not Mexico City the Olympics with the fist race. But I got to give these kids credit because this isn't about them being punks. This is about them standing up for those three hundred and thirty six kids that went that did not have the opportunity to stand there next to them on the podium. Dylan Wisman and Corbin Allen are two of the best wrestlers this state have got. And the fact that they made a statement, one, it makes me proud. I'm embarrassed from a, a, a native standpoint that our state high school association has done this to the fact that now, I mean, Flow Wrestling picked it up. I've had conversations with Willie Saylor about this whole thing. First of all, I want to give those two guys uh, you know, a tip of the cap because – you know, I, you know, high school students making a stand these days, chances are, you know, who knows, you could get suspended for doing something that's the right thing, you know. Right. I mean, gone are the days of, you know, okay, whatever. But I, I want to give those two guys, uh, I'll put them on blast in, in a positive manner for, you know, because, you know, respecting whatever, it's, I just have, I think what they did, you know, sent a message that, hey, you know what, they screwed this up and we're we're unhappy about it. Sorry, I, I think that has a lot to do with they also understand that their state championship that they're winning doesn't mean as much in that situation as well. So not only are they are they angry that these kids, their own teammates, were one and done, but also there's an asterisk next to the next to this year. They they yeah. went and won what they were supposed to do, and now it doesn't feel the same. And and I respect that a lot as well. Sure. And Bill, what about your your state team title? I mean, you won six A. Uh, right. You know, and Brian, you were third, and I, we were talking as I was driving back from national duels, and you know, it's not not to be self serving when you say this, but you lost a round of score points. How many other teams lost a round of score points? That that uh, Clark County and Grundy were were two and a half points in two A. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's like you just you took out any opportunity, not just for the kids to advance, but you know, to really say, hey, okay, if you did this with a six A, now you've cut you know, a third of our point scoring opportunities out of the way, maybe even more, maybe 40% with the consolations. I mean, Bill, from a coaching standpoint, you know, it's a state title, but. Yeah, but, uh, you know, we were fortunate. We won 11 first-round matches, put 11 guys in the semis. So we were placing 11 guys any format they were going to do. So, okay, for us, in our division, um, you know, Brian can probably confirm Two through seven, eight, nine, I think could have been a lot different had the tournament been wrestled out. I think uh, 5A would have been a lot different wrestled out. You had five, six teams there that all had seven kids. Well, it was survival of the fittest. So, the, you know, some of those teams, I know Great Bridge lost, lost state runner-up from the previous year in the first round. He's done. He could come back and take third and score him, you know, another 16 points or so there, and no chance to do that. So... You know, and that that ended up being close anyway. Matoka and Broad Run were within striking distance of each other going into the 220 where Broad Run had a kid and Matoka had a heavyweight. Matoka pulled it out by 11 points. Um, 4A, I think, you know, who knows what was there, Falkir and Hanover. 
you know, Christiansburg, Christiansburg in 3A, probably wouldn't affect it too much there. Like you said, the 2A definitely with that two-and-a-half-point difference between Clark and Clark County and uh, Grundy. I looked at the 1A. It looked like Royal Retreat was probably going to be the team that won. But So you got a couple classes where could it have changed the entire tournament. you got a couple other classes where it probably would have changed those top 10 teams quite a bit if you wrestle the uh, tournament out. So, you know, it did affect the team standings. Um, it felt a little hollow winning. You know, winning's great. It was nice. Um, we wrestled well. But, uh, you know, there's an asterisk. Um, it didn't give the venues time to properly give the awards to the kids or do introductions before the finals. You know, it, it, it took that experience away from the kids and, and the teams. Um that we're I'm used to seeing. Sure was it going to be an asterisk? I mean, you, you said it best, Bill. You had 11 state semifinalists. There was no other team at that time with more than three kids still left in the tournament. You guys had the best team in the state this year, bar none. Uh, but it did. I mean, my, my father was announced in the tournament, and he just said, you know, there was not even a, a individual champion's picture at the end of the night because everybody had already left. Right. Uh, you know, you didn't. We didn't have the pomp and circumstance. You didn't have the turn the lights off, turn the lights on for the for the awards ceremony, and let's tell people who these kids are. Right, so, like the the video you guys have done in the past with their pictures and all that. We didn't get to do no. any of that. Right. So yeah, they didn't do that at Salem either. And a real aggravating part for me is that I did have to go home the same night. And they're telling us we're in a hurry, we're in a hurry, we can't can't have the wrestlebacks, we can't have this, can't have that. And then at the end, they wanted our champions to stay. And, you know, right or wrong, my form of protest was, I'm sorry, we're leaving. The kids didn't want to stay. Um, I We had to go because I already got home. When I, when I got home, I got home at 4 in the morning. I was up for 23 straight hours. We went out to Salem, wrestled it in a day, came back to New Kent, and then came I came back to Richmond. That that's and, and I was just aggravated that they, the whole time they're just hurrying you up, hurrying you up, and then at the end they're like, "Oh, we want this picture for our program next year." Mm. You know, it seemed like a contradiction to me. So, well, yeah. just just to reiterate about contacting people, uh, there's an interesting interview with, on the VHL Cell Wrestling Protest page with a gentleman named Kevin Martingale from Virginia Beach. Kevin is an attorney, in Virginia Beach. He has a daughter that runs cross-country and a son that wrestled in the Virginia Beach Public School. And he shed some light on the VHSL and, and talked about how the VHSL started about 100 years ago. It was a group that originated in Charlottesville that regulated debate tournaments. And then over the decades, they got more and more responsibility. But the VHSL is a private organization that is neither publicly elected nor has any public accountability, yet dishes out decisions that force public school systems and taxpayers to come out of pocket and increase their spending. Uh, so we need to uh, voice our concerns and displeasures with, with our principals, our athletic directors, and your state delegates that, that this is an unfair setup and, and they are really um, – not serving our public school systems and our children because you know, this is absurd. I mean, we all know in the wrestling community that, that the VHSL's decision has made Virginia high school wrestling the laughing stock of the national wrestling community, and we need to do something about it. And also, I want to pipe in on that, Andrew. And it's it's not just this is a unique position that wrestling uh, we're impacted by this the most. But you know, you talked you talked about uh, Martin Gale, you know. He's got a daughter that plays another sport. Well, how you know, we've got brothers and sisters that play other sports at these high schools. So, you know, it's it's wrestling now, but what's going to stop this from impacting another sport that's going to affect another set of parents or even the, you know, this is a section of the parents. I mean, you got kids that play more sports. It's not just this is not just a wrestling problem. Wrestling felt the burn this time, but there, you know, if it can happen with wrestling, it can happen with every sport that the Virginia High School League sanctions. So again, the it's not just hey, if you're a wrestling parent and you're listening to this and you you've got friends that have other athletes that may you know your 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 friends and their parents of other athletes in your school system, you're like hey, what happened with wrestling? Well, 
you know, that's where, hey, if you're listening to this, tell them about it. So, you know, Andrew Fair has given us a lot of good information on how to do that. So it, this isn't just a wrestling problem. Again, we were the ones that basically had to fall on the sword uh, unwillingly, so to speak. We were kind of shoved on it. We didn't really fall on it. But, uh, you know, who's to say that this can't happen? Uh, you know, oh, you know, what would happen if there's a blizzard in December and the football state championship game has to be, you know, okay, we're only going to play the last two quarters. <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's not going to happen, though, Jason. I wish it would have happened to football so we would have seen how they would have reacted. Um, I also want to bring up one point quick, Bill, while I'm I'm still on this thing, and and Mike was talking about the schedule, and we were talking about Maria Ramos from Chilhowee earlier. Okay, media coverage, two-day tournament. Uh, Okay, the the old schedule was what? Quarters and then consolations and then semis. Semis were supposed to be on the second day, correct? Originally. Yes. Okay, so there is your media coverage gone sure. about people coming to watch Maria Ramos wrestle in the semifinals or wrestle in the state finals. You basically made that girl a, a, an afterthought. It, you know, it's a great story. It sh- you know, it could have gotten, you know, day one, girl wins match, makes semis. Okay, she's already in the semis. She's already going to be the highest placing female in, in Virginia wrestling history. Boom, next day you got people there. She wins in the semis. Then you've got the news stations coming out. I mean, granted, she lost in the finals, but then you've got more media coming out. And you could have done this if you, you know, moving the schedule. The weather affected it, yeah, but or you still, I still think you could have run this thing in one day, start at 10 a.m., and you'd have been done. That's another no, thing. Yeah. I'm so the, the media part of me is annoyed because this girl should have gotten more press than she did. And you know what? You can say what you want about the six class system. She went out there, she made the finals, first time in Virginia history. You know, it was a disservice to her. No doubt about it, Jason. Um, that That's a case where you had somebody that's being successful in the tournament, and it was a disservice to them. So, you know, it... it <laughs> You know, if this, if it happened normally, we would be talking a lot more about her and her performance. And same with the uh, the girl in the private schools, uh, Lauren Prada. We would do. We've spent more time talking about that and talking about the War of the Roses than we would what the what's gone wrong with our state association. Well, yeah, I mean, I read on you talking about what goes wrong. I read on a Pennsylvania forum. The headline was "So you think the PIAA is stupid." Just when you think no one can make decisions that are more outlandish than the PIAA, along comes the Virginia High School League, the Pennsylvania or the Virginia equivalent. Um, so, you know, like somebody said earlier, it, it's made Virginia wrestling um, a laughing stock around with a lot of people, you know, and we you don't need that. We're fighting the six classification system uh, saying it's watered down. Uh, now, you know, we, we have things like this out all over the place instead of covering positive things. Right. And, and also the, uh, they have, their deadline is probably what, 1030 Jason, usually for a newspaper 11. Yeah. And they, so our, our bigger weight classes, they don't even get to talk about it in the newspaper because they have to get their paper in early. You're, you're right, Brian, our, our 195, our 220 and our heavyweight got no coverage in the press the next day because it was after the deadline. R-182, same thing. Right. So. Yeah, I got a text from Nick Polano who was there, and he said, uh, you know, I was at National Duels. He sent me a text. He goes, 11, 11, it was 11.09 p.m., 152 finals just started. And that was, <laughs> you know, I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, I think you were worried about safety, putting all these people back on the road after midnight in black, you know, with potential black ice. I mean, they, uh, I it's, everything's a contradiction. And like Mike I pulled out of the parking lot at 104 at Robinson. That's what we I had to clean out. up. You weren't out till two. Yeah, I'm sure. Andrew and and you guys were were done early because of communication. <laughs> because of communication, you said it right in the beginning. He did. Well, well you know, it it is. Uh, sometimes you get frustrated uh, when the big boys are um, going toe to toe and the uh, you know the most competitive teams in the state. But it was nice to look around the gym on Saturday and see. Dick Kemper, the executive director of the Visa, he was there. He was there for weigh-ins, asking how everything was going, if you know what we needed to do, you know, both Friday and Saturday. And uh, um, you know, it it was just nice to to see that that we had some some good leadership and some leadership that that was interested and and, and willing to help wrestling. When when I knew that, you know, all these other guys on the call were uh, 
not happy, to say the least. All right, guys, we've been rolling on this, and there's one thing. We can sit around and talk about problems, or let's let's open it up now to some solutions because I know we've all got opinions on this. I'm not, a, I'm not an active coach. Obviously, my wrestling career dictates that I will never be an active coach, uh, <laughs> although I do hold a bronze certification USA Wrestling Coaches card, but uh, that's, that's irrelevant. Uh, I have coached at the World Team Trials. Brian, have you? No. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so let's – I want to start with some solutions to, first of all, maybe the weather problem and maybe uh, the the whole VHSL as a whole, um, things, ideas we have that can maybe be looked at. Uh, I'll start with Andrew because, Andrew, I think uh, you're you're going the route with the uh, the General Assembly and the House is is one way to get these solutions solved. But, you know, from an outsider, as far as the public school world is concerned, what do you think a solution to this problem could have been? Well, I've had talks with various people today, uh, lobbyists, uh, representatives. I, I even spoke with uh, Ken Tilly with the VHSL today. And, um, you know, uh, the, the VHSL, as other people have said, are going are, are gonna, to uh, tailor their response to various questions uh, depending on, you know, who's asking them. So um, if we as a wrestling community um, want to bring about change, we have to come up with a plan. We have to put together a proposal, and we have to then sell it to our administrators, our principals and athletic directors, and get them behind it. But uh, I can tell you that USA Wrestling is willing to get involved. Uh, USA Wrestling's leadership is willing to co-sanction the event um, and basically run it, find a venue, uh, find officials, um, and, and take a hit to the tune of uh, a significant chunk of money to help the Virginia wrestling community as long as the VHSL will recognize uh, the results. Uh, but if we want to get away from the six classifications, we're going to have to come up with a very precise uh, yet simple plan uh, that we can then sell to our principals and athletic directors. And if they support it, um, then I, I think it might have a chance, but it's a long shot. All right, now, Brian, we'll go with you because you are also our state representative for the National Wrestling Coaches Association. You know, you're gonna get you're gonna call Mike Moyer up at the NWCA. Uh, you know, get the, that association involved, and you know a little bit about that. And you know, what are you know you were at the your your school ran the thing. So, what are some solutions on your end when it comes to every this debacle, which I think has been thrown the word that's been thrown around. You know, be, before I even called Mike, and I and I have talked to Coach Moyer uh, several times. Um, you know, I think the most important thing is there needs to be some foresight beforehand, and they need to look at every situation and say, uh, and, and be proactive and say, if this does happen, this is where we need to go. I hated the single elimination, and we all did. However, if we had known that a week and a half ago and said, this is a chance that this could happen, and we, it wasn't thrown at us at 1030 in the morning the day of, I think people will probably might have been upset, but I think they wouldn't have been as angry if, if the contingency plan had been there. And this is the only thing we have that we can do. Um, but if we have a contingency plan for everything, here's where we can move. Like Andrew said, here's where the mats can go. We can go to this site. We can do 5A here. We can do 6A here. We can do different places and get it done. Um, number one thing is we need to have contingency plans. Uh, talked to Coach Moyer, Mike Moyer today and yesterday, and we talked about Dual meets, and they you know, just coming back from the national duels, we need to recognize that dual meets are very important to our sport. Um, you know, we finished third in the state. Centerville finished second in the state with three wrestlers. So that takes away the other 11 kids. The reason dual meets are awesome, the reason the national duels were awesome, was because every kid played a part. If you're losing 14 to 1 and you don't get tech fault or you don't get pinned, you make a difference to your team. And so when we look at the dual meet, that is the true team championship. And uh, we really need to take a look at that, whether it's through all six classes or through one class. Um, because our sport, without that, without every kid playing a part, is, is, is on a, a road uh, the wrong direction. Um, so, you know, that's what Coach Moyer and I had to talk about. We didn't quite get into the nuts and bolts of what he could do to help the Virginia High School League, because I know – through weight management and through other situations, um, the Virginia High School League has been difficult to deal with. All right, I want to before I get to Bill, I want I want to bring this up too. 
there's uh, uh, you know VAWA and the Virginia Challenge have been working together for a number of years in the the freshman, sophomore, junior, and the super states that'll be held uh, March 14th and 15th. You know, there's an opportunity for for VAWA and the Virginia Challenge to step up and be like, hey, guess what? You want you know you, you you've got an asterisk by your state title. Here's an opportunity for those kids plus plus the weight allowance they get five pounds. You know, let's 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 show them how realistic a one class tournament could be. And you know, I know some of the kids are moving into other sports and you know are a little little dejected. But uh, I think there's 336 kids that might like that opportunity to wrestle for another medal. Sure, I, I, that's a great opportunity, uh, Jason, for uh, those kids that only got to wrestle one match. And the state champs. I mean, last year, the majority of, which was the first year of the Super States, the majority of my kids did participate. Um, but it's a great opportunity. Um, you know, it's at the Arthur Ashe Center, good venue, um, 12 mats down, and uh, we'll wrestle all day long. So uh, nice awards that the Virginia Challenge has um, that, you know, uh, it, w- it would be a good opportunity for it to show, like you said, one class can work and a good opportunities for these young athletes who, uh, whose seasons were cut shorter than they thought they would, or they didn't get the opportunity that they thought they should an, another chance to compete, um, in a, in a great event. Um, so it's good opportunity. Uh, you know, Brian kind of hit it on the head. Uh, I, I think communication was, was very poor. Um, we need to have more effective communication lines uh, between the VHSL and the coaches and the ADs. Um, it, was, it was not there. Um, contingency plans, I said that at the beginning. We need to be proactive. You need you should have that laid out. We should know if we're going to get weather, and weather's a concern for the Virginia High School League and safety, which it should be, uh, this is what we're going to do. We're either going to move it to Sunday or we're going to move it to the next week at Brian, like Brian said, it might have to be in different locations, but if you've done that ahead of time, it's, it's no problem. It, the issue is solved. Um, so being proactive versus reactive, I think is critical uh, in the future. All right, Mike, we're going to go with you. And I, I want to interject this thing real quick, because this is what Bill kind of talked about, about moving venues. Uh, Salem Civic Center, I started going there in 1996, and the last time I was there was in 2009, and thankfully I had a press credential, but nothing had changed. You've got piles of lines of people tripping over each other, crammed into that little lobby, only one door open on each side, uh, you know, parlor A with your brackets and, you know, whatnot, and, you know, the con- I, you know n- no disrespect to the you know, concessions people, they don't set the prices, but I, 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 I made sure I went to Mac and Bob's or, or McAdoo's if I wanted something to eat in Salem. I was never going to eat there. So, um, <laughs> you know, Salem is a facility. I think it just seems that they want to be married to it. But, uh, you know, Mike, from a, from a 4A through 1A perspective and having to drive out there, uh, you know, what are your solutions for maybe the Salem quandary and, and this whole debacle of a communications uh, screw-up, so to speak? Yeah, anything, any change with Salem is going to have to be have to be sold from a money issue because I think that marriage is that marriage is because of money. Um, it, it, from what I hear, um, because I think the Salem Civic Center pays to have that put on. I, I was talking to Coach Carr from um, he was down there um, to, to see some of the kids wrestle. He's from George Mason, and he was telling me, well. The Patriot Center is open. No, nobody's in there this weekend. You know, why don't you have it there? Um, and I said, I think they're kind of married to this financially. And he said, well, yeah, you'd have to pay for the Patriot Center. Whereas in, in Salem, I think the Salem Civic Center pays for, for this. There has to be some reason. Because it's just a tough venue because you do that. It's just so sterile. You know, you have this good high school season, you're there for states, you know, and even as coach, I just feel like I'm treated like, you know, you can't be here at a certain time, you got to be here at a certain time, you can't be there at a certain time, you know what I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's just very sterile, it's sterile for the fans, the only thing they do good, they do well, is they sell that finals, and they didn't get to do that this year, which made it even, the state, the situation even worse, because you had that walk of champions. I like that. That that's always neat. And they put the lights down in the cha- and then the finalists walk out. 
but we didn't even have a chance experiencing that. That's about the only experience that I think is good from the from the Shale Civic Center at this point. So any change to VGSL, whether it be a change in a Civic Center, dual team tournament, uh, combining tournaments and having individuals going back to uh, the previous way and or having one total state tournament, it's got to be sold by a money monetary standpoint because that's all there was in it. That's the, that's why they switched to that six A. The VHSL is making money off of it. The schools are you're losing money. The VHSL is making money, and that that's money is unfortunately money talks. So that's just what I say. This has been episode three of a very, I guess, emotional episode of the Virginia Wrestling Roundup. Uh, hey, Twink. Yeah, go ahead. Can I add one thing? I want to add on a positive note. Let's do had... that. That's what I was, I was going to say. Let's end positively. <laughs> yeah, Bill Swink, do... you're reading my mind. Go for it. Okay. I, I just want to say congratulations to all the public school and private school, all state uh, wrestlers and state champions and runner-ups. You guys work hard. You deserve everything you get. Don't let it take anything away from your accomplishments. I'd like to congratulate Benedictine, private school state champs, Royal Retreat, 1A champs, Clark County, 2A champs, Christiansburg, 3A champs, Falkir, the 4A champs, Matoka, the 5A champs, and the Colonial Forge Eagles as our 6A champs. Congratulations, teams. You earned your titles. Um, no asterisks. You did it. And I'm going to do one better, Bill. I actually wrote all this out before we got started, so you kind of stole my thunder a little bit. So let's sorry on, on a roll. The top the top fives. Let's start with the private schools: Benedictine, Saint Chris, Liberty Christian. Hey, Peninsula Catholic finishing fourth, and Cape Henry fifth. In one A, Royal Retreat, George With, Castlewood, and Radford tied for third, and in fifth was uh, Lancaster, which is my parents' alma mater. Uh, in 2A, Clark County, Grundy, Strasburg, Graham, and Riverheads. A couple uh, traditional powers there that we've, we've heard from. 3A, Christiansburg, Cave Spring. My alma mater of Pocosin. I had to throw that in there at least once on this show. They were and, third. And they can, thank, they can thank that single elimination for that. So, But anyway. I'm, I'm not done yet, Mike. Brookville, Ben <laughs> Summerlin's alma mater was fourth. New Kent, you guys were fifth in 4A. Falk yep. here, Hanover, Eastern View, Woodgrove, and Sharando. I remember Jeez. I remember Sharando. Uh, 5A, Matoka, Broad Run, Hickory, and uh, Ben Summerlin was on our last uh, episode. First two state champions in school history. Congratulations to the Hickory Hawks. Great Bridge was fourth. Mountain View was fifth. And in 6A, Colonial Forge, Centerville, Robinson, and the fields, Westfield and Battlefield. So those were your top five teams across the board. And, gentlemen, I guess I'm going to go around the horn one more time. Final thoughts about things that we're doing in VAWA and things to look forward to. First of all, let's just go with, uh, let's see, uh, randomly, Brian Hazard. I got nothing for the first time probably in my life. I, uh, I'm excited for this springtime. Uh, I'm excited to see all the new folks who who get a taste for it and, and, and uh you know, really excited to see some great wrestling here in the next couple of weeks. Get, getting ready to get back on the horse. Mike Faust, you got a guy heading to Virginia Tech. Thoughts? I'm pretty excited about that opportunity. We got him going there, and uh, we got BC going there, and then uh, uh, Blake Hemm going to VMI. We're pretty excited about it. Andrew. Yeah, I've got two things. One, everybody can check virginiawrestling.com for what they need to do to uh, have their voice heard with the VHSL, and two, uh, Virginia is really excited about the uh, national prep tournament up at Lehigh this weekend. Uh, St. Chris is coming off a uh, top 10 finish. Joey Prada is a defending champion. Jackson Law, Judah Bruce, Josh Weiland, returning placers, Benedictine, LCA, Cape Henry Collegiate, poised to have good tournaments. So uh, follow the Virginia guys going up to national preps this weekend. And Bill Swink, since this is the namesake of your old website, the Virginia Wrestling Roundup, you, you get the final word. All right. Hey, you young guys, get out, sign up for the uh, Volvo Kids Folk South State Championships on March 7th at the Arthur Ashe Center. Ladies, War of the Roses on the 8th, along with the elementary school club, middle school club duels. On the 14th, Virginia Challenge freshman, sophomore, junior, and super states. Get signed up. Great opportunity to participate. Also, on that 14th date, we will have a Folk style to freestyle transition clinic. So make sure you get there and you get that clinic as well. 
So for Mike Foss, Brian Hazard, Andrew Farah, and Bill Swink, this is Jason Bryant, and you've been listening to the marathon that was episode three of the Virginia Wrestling Roundup. Check us out on iTunes. Go to vawa.matttalkonline.com. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud. That's where you can find everything related to this podcast. We'll see you next time.